Our first Bible reading comes from the book of Psalms. I'll be reading Psalm 32 and the whole of the psalm. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you, while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Would you like to take your Bibles again, please, and turn with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 4. I'm going to be reading chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. The background, of course, is Abraham being justified by faith. Romans chapter 4, and picking up the reading from verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. So ask the Lord to bless our time around his work. Father, we thank you again that your word does not change, Lord, because you do not change. And today, this morning, Lord, we ask and pray you will just bless our time in your word. Father, will you speak to our hearts and our minds and our wills? Will you draw us closer to the Lord Jesus Christ? And Lord, perhaps if any here do not know you, this might be the time you draw them to yourself through faith in Christ. I pray this now, Lord, in for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen. Last week, we looked at John chapter 10 and saw the Christians will persevere in their faith until they reach glory. And so today, 
I thought being the second Sunday of 2022, we need to make certain that we're actually in the faith, that we're in Christ so that we can persevere. So I guess I'm asking each one of us to actually assess where we stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm especially uh, asking you younger ones to think about this today because this sermon is very much geared also towards you. During World War II, a Polish immigrant enlisted in the American Army. He was a terrific soldier, but his English was absolutely shocking. So one day, as his company prepared for inspection before going overseas, the men realised that unless they helped this soldier, he'd fail the inspection and not make it overseas because his English was so terrible. So one of the men took him aside and he said, look, in a few days, the general's going to come round for inspection. Unless you are really careful, you're going to fail it because your English is horrible. But now look, he always asks the same questions. I'll tell you what they are and how to answer each one. The first question he's bound to ask is, how long have you been in the army? You've been training for two years. So when he asks this question, you just say, two years. The next question you're sure to get is, how old are you? When he asks that, tell him your age, 22 years. And his third question is always the same. Have you been receiving good food and good treatment? When he asks this, you simply say to him, both. Now these are the answers you have to give. Remember, two, twenty-two, and both. Say these, shouldn't be any problems. Inspection day arrived. Sure enough, the general came and he asked the exact questions our soldier had been primed to answer. But there was one minor problem. He didn't ask them in the order the soldier was expecting. So instead the general began with, well, how old are you? Soldier answered, two years. General looks at him, frowned. Then he asked, well, how long have you been in the army? Soldier answered, 22 years. By now the general was quite angry. You can forget the third question. He said he asked, well, what do you take me for, a fool or an idiot? He proudly puffed out his chest and said, both. Now look, I'm sure that we're all pleased we're not in that soldier's place on inspection day. Yet each of us is going to face or take part in a far greater inspection than this soldier had. Because God, who is the judge of the people, all people living and dead, is going to expect and inspect each one of us. We call this the day of judgment or the judgment day, even as John prayed about and on this day, we're going to have to give an account for our lives and what we've done about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that man is destined to die once and then face judgment. Now, over the years, people have asked me lots of questions about Christianity, like, you know, what is a Christian? Um, how do I become a Christian? If I do good things, will I go to heaven? Why did Jesus die on a cross and what's this day of judgment? And I say to you this morning, just because you're young now, don't think this isn't for me. We've seen how uncertain, how fragile life is 
with the sad deaths of those six children at Hillcrest Primary School in Devonport. You've got no idea when you'll die, neither do I, or when we shall stand before God. And whether we want to believe in a judgment day or not, it is going to happen. Now for most folk, God's inspection day isn't a very pleasant thought. It's not something that they're looking forward to. Yet in one encouraging verse, God tells you how you can come before him in that great inspection day, not five years, not 50 years from now, but right now, knowing your past is inspection, knowing that you will stand right in God's sight. And this verse is Romans chapter 4, verse 5, which says, However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. And to understand what God is saying and why he's saying it in this verse, you've got to understand there are three questions God is not asking you. And yet over the years, I've noticed these are the very questions most people are convinced God is asking. Let's think about it. The first question Romans 4, 5 makes clear God is not asking is, how many good works, how many good things have you done? Many, many people believe that God will accept them because of what they've done. So the more good things you do down here, the more you increase your chances up there. Ask someone, do you think you're okay with God? that you go to heaven? The answer might be, I'm working towards it. I give to charities, I take an interest in my children's education, help out at the, men, at the men's shed, whatever. But Romans 4, 5 makes it clear God isn't asking how many good works have you done. Because the first part of the verse says, to the man who does not work. You see, God doesn't accept any of us on the basis of the good works that we do. And while the Bible has many uh, things to say about that, God tells us why he won't do this actually in here in verse 4, which says, Now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. Put it like this. Suppose you're in your last year of school, and you know I've got a very old but very serviceable car. Now you really like this car. And I say to you, you can have it, provided you mow my lawns for 12 months and look after my garden. Now tell me, am I giving you a gift? The answer is no, isn't it? I'm obliged to give you that car. I'm indebted to you. I, I owe you the car because of your works of what you have been doing for me. Now, if God were to accept you because of the good works that you've done, all he would be doing is paying a debt. He would be giving something that he owes you. But the Bible says that God is no man's debtor. God doesn't owe you anything. So he's not asking you how many good works have you done give you another illustration. Devonport Council. They like to regularly check on our recycling bins. 
to make sure that we are recycling properly. And some months ago, this sticker appeared on our bin. I kept it, and it gave me the title for the sermon. Thanks, John. You put it up there for me? Yes or no? Anyway, it's here. <laughs> it is past inspection. And it says, thank you for being a good sort. We appreciate your great work. Now, just think about these words. We appreciate your great work. Very encouraging. But seriously, I put some stuff in a bin for heaven's sakes. But please notice, I had to work to pass this inspection. It all depended on me. And this is the same for any inspection in this world. And then what happens at the next inspection if I put something wrong in the recycle bin? Do I get a red sticker saying rotten work, failed inspection, pull your socks up? I've got no idea. But I repeat, it all depends on me. So I really don't know where I am from one inspection to the next. So very different to God's inspection, which is to the man who does not work. God's inspection, as we'll see, depends on God alone. Thanks, John. Romans 4.5 makes it clear there's a second question God is not asking you. He's not asking you how well have you behaved? Again, you ask some people, do you think you're okay with God? That is, are you going to heaven? Standard answer, I've got a better chance than a lot of people. And I ask them, well, why do you think that? And I get things like, well, I try to be nice, polite, kind to people. I don't swear. Well, not very often. I don't steal. I would even go to church and I sing carols at Christmas. And the list goes on. But the problem is God isn't asking you how well have you behaved. The middle of verse 5 says, but trust God who justifies the wicked. And trusting God means believing in him. See, it's a matter of believing, not behaving. And the two are as different as night and day. And God actually tells you why he won't accept you on the basis of how you behave. Because no matter how well you behave, you're still wicked. I'm still wicked, ungodly, sinful. That's what the word means. And ungodly means there are times when you haven't lived up to God's perfect 100% standard. When you haven't lived as perfectly as God says you should. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, hang on. I don't really like the Bible calling me wicked. I don't think that's true. And I know when I first began to look at the Christian faith, when someone called me wicked, I was very quick to take offence. But you see, the reason that you and I thought like that is simple. See, when you think how ungodly you've been, you compare yourself to the worst person around. And you come out smelling like a rose. 
But when God considers how ungodly you've been, he compares you to the most perfect person who ever lived, Jesus Christ, God the Son. Jesus was sinless. He never told a lie. How many have you told? Jesus never hated his enemies. You've had times when you find it difficult to be in the same room with a person you're married to or to really like your brother or sister or your best friend at school. See, it doesn't matter what you say. God knows every thought you've had, every word you've spoken. All he can say about you and about me is ungodly. So he's not asking how well have you behaved. I come back to my recycling sticker. Thanks, John. Put it on again. It's very important, this sticker. And is there a back one as well, Is Thank you. Notice that? We thank you for being a good sort. Now, can you see the difference between what this says and what God is saying? Now, this might be a play on words saying I'm a very good sorter of recyclable material, but it probably means no Barry. They're saying I'm a good bloke. Yet these inspectors don't know me or most of the other people who've got the same sticker. I mean, I could be the biggest rat bag in Devonport. They don't know how I behave. And by the way, I'm not a good sort at all. The Bible says there is no one righteous, not even one. I'm simply a sinner saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus' sacrifice for sin at Calvary. Thanks, Ez. Back to our text. If it's a matter of then believing and not behaving, then what does believe actually mean? Well, before we look at that, there's one more word we need to clear up. It's the word justifies. The middle of verse 5 says, but trust God who justifies the wicked. And justify simply means to declare you the opposite of what you are now. Other words, you've told lies. God would like to declare you a person who's never told one lie. You've had wrong one thought after another and maybe done many wrong things. God would like to declare you a person who's never had wrong thoughts or never done anything wrong. So how can God do that? Well, there's only one way. God can't overlook sin. You know what sin is, disobeying him, breaking his law, rebelling against him, not meeting his 100% perfect standard. So that's sin. And God is a holy God, and the Bible says he can't bear to look upon sin. So God also is a holy and just God. He must punish sin. And the Bible says that the punishment for sin is death. And the only reason God can declare you righteous is because Jesus has taken that punishment and died in the place of sinners like you and me. Do you really hear that? Jesus has saved us by dying for sinners like us. He died in our place and took our punishment for sin. And he rose from death on the third day. Remember Greg preached a few weeks ago, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, part A, which says that he, Jesus, 
himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Jesus never sinned, but on the cross Jesus was made sin for us. The Bible says that God made him Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That means on the cross Jesus exchanged our sin for his perfect righteousness. That means when we stand before God on the day of judgment, God won't see our sin. He'll see Jesus' perfect righteousness. So God can declare us righteous right in his sight because someone else His son, who's taken the punishment for sinners like us. All we have to do is believe. Fine. So what does believe actually mean? Well, in the Bible, believe means two things. It means to accept something as true, and it means to trust. I know some in the fellowship here have completed a Christianity Explored course that John and Alison and Greg and Rose ran. Before this course came along, there was another CE course called Christianity Explained. And in one lesson to explain the word believe, this course uses a man called Blondin. And you can Google him. He's an amazing, he was an amazing guy. He was a great stunt artist. He walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. The first time he did this was in 1859. The next year, he walked across a tightrope on stilts. The next year, he carried a stove across on which he cooked an omelette at the halfway mark across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Can you imagine that? He placed a stove on a tightrope and cooked an omelette on it. Incredible. It fascinates me. I can't cook an omelette when I'm standing on firm ground in the kitchen. It's an impossibility. Now, a reporter had seen all this, and he accepted it as true. And he knew Blondin was the greatest stunt artist that ever lived. But when Blondin said to him, well, if you really believe I'm that good, then get into this wheelbarrow and I'll wheel you across, he took off 60 k's the other direction. (laughs) You see, he might have believed that Blondin could actually do it, but he didn't trust him enough to get into that wheelbarrow. Now, when the Bible uses the word believe, it means basically you get in the wheelbarrow, so to speak. You accept it's true. God the Father will declare you righteous, right in God's sight, because Jesus, his son, took the punishment for sin. You accept it. But then you trust in Jesus to take away your sins. This is believing. Not trusting what you've tried to do to be right with God, but trusting what Jesus has done. It's a matter of believing, not behaving. God isn't asking how well have you behaved. There's one more question. Romans 4, 5 makes clear God is not asking you. And he's not asking you how long will it last. Now we looked at this last week when we see a true Christian will persevere to the end. 
But over many, many years, a number of people said to me, Barry, I won't become a Christian. I ask why? Because I don't know how long I could last. But God isn't asking this question either. Because the end of verse 5 says, his faith is credited as righteousness. The word credited means to reckon or credit something to your account. It's like there's a big sheet of paper and there's a line down the middle. One side represents your sins, the other side represents Jesus' righteousness. And the Bible says the moment you trust in Jesus, God takes Jesus' righteousness and puts it to your account. That is on your side of the paper. So when Jesus looks at you now, he doesn't see your sins, he sees Jesus' righteousness. It was in quoting um, Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. But verses 7 and 8 of that reading from Romans says, Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. And David, who wrote those words, knew what it was to have his sins of adultery and murder forgiven. Many years ago, I visited a friend's farm in New South Wales. And being a city dweller, I saw something that was totally strange to me. I saw this strange-looking animal seemed to have two heads instead of one, four front feet instead of two, and four back feet as well. Now, my friend explained it to me. I'll try and explain it to you. A sheep bore a lamb, but the lamb died. Another sheep bore a lamb, but this time the sheep died. The lamb needed a mother. But the other mother whose lamb had died wouldn't accept this lamb. She knew it wasn't her own. So Mike took the skin of her dead lamb and draped it over the living lamb. And as soon as he put the lamb with his skin over it into the sheep pen, the mother walked over it, or walked over to it, and then seemed to say, that's mine. She accepted the lamb. Now the Bible says the moment you put your trust in Jesus, God takes his son's righteousness, if you like, and clothes you with it. It's like you're clothed with Jesus' skin. He says, you're mine. And the Bible makes it very clear. When you trust in Jesus to take away your sins, you are then totally forgiven forever. God declares you righteous, right with God forever. No record will ever be kept of your sins. Don't care how long you you, you live, 10 years, 50 years, 100 years. You will never be more righteous before God, I keep saying, right with him, than you are on the day you first trust Jesus. Now this doesn't mean that you don't have to live a life pleasing to God. The Bible has plenty to say about that. But the behaving comes after the believing. So God isn't asking, how long will it last? So how do we pass God's inspection? How do we stand right in his sight? The answer is amazingly simple. Trust in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for sin. Because when it comes to the inspection, by nature we want to work to get it. 
We want to behave to deserve it and keep trying so we can keep it. So when God wants to do something simply out of his own goodness or his own grace, we find it very difficult to receive it. Remember, God isn't asking how many good works have you done. It's to the man who does not work. God isn't asking how well have you behaved. It's a matter of believing, not behaving. And God isn't asking you how long will you last. The moment you trust Jesus, and you can trust him right now, he puts Jesus' righteousness on your side of your big sheet of paper and you pass God's inspection there and then. You stand right in God's sight. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. Indeed, God is good. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you and praise you again for being such a gracious and loving God to us. How we thank you for your wonderful gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, who died on that cross for sinners such as us. Lord, how I pray that each one of us can actually say here this morning, yes, Lord, I trust in Jesus' sacrifice for sin to take away my sins so that I can stand righteous in your sight. Oh, Father, will you help each one of us now to really look where we do stand with you and draw us into your fold or draw us closer to you through faith in Christ. We pray this now in his precious name. Amen.